My name is Mike Fitzgibbons. This is the Story Fits, WSFI 88.5 FM. The Story Fits, we cover good news stories mainly with a connection to sports and sports, especially in the Lake County area. So today I have a special guest in the studio with me. His name is Bob Kuykendall. Bob Kuykendall is a wrestling, the head wrestling coach at Carmel Catholic High School, has been at Carmel Catholic High School and been a wrestling coach at Carmel High School well. We don't want to get in specific years, but let's just say it's been decades. <laughs> Bob, how you doing this afternoon? Good I'm, afternoon. I'm great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great, to ha- it's great to have you here. Bob and I have worked together for a long, long time. I was actually working at Carmel when he started and uh, it looked like I was going up the ladder and, and a couple of programs, wrestling, football, and Bob just kind of elbowed me aside, <laughs> headlock, put me on my back, and I was gone in the wrestling program, and I just tried harder in football, I guess. Uh, so, Bob, how long have you been the wrestling head wrestling coach at Carmel? Uh, I've been the head wrestling coach for 10 years. Uh, this is year 11, and uh, before that, I was a, an assistant for 27, maybe something like that. For so. 27 years, and that would be an assistant to the great Joe Scordino, correct? Hall of Famer, Joe Scordino, absolutely. Joe, Joe Scordino, who I was an assistant uh, of for 10 years, and I wouldn't be sitting here right now without him. God bless him, and God rest his soul. What a great, great, great man. Uh, Bob, give us a little, well, you know, we're going to talk about wrestling. We're going to talk about wrestling in 2018 and how the challenges have changed, but but really the connections to sport and dedication and determination and the things that make a, a good wrestler special. And we're going to talk about a bunch of that. So in order, you know, with me talking about my wrestling career, it would have been a quick show. I'd be done because I never wrestled, but uh, you did. And so let's go back, Bob. How did you get involved in wrestling? Well, it's it's a great story. Uh I was a freshman in high school at Maine West High School, and uh, I was 74 pounds. I had very thick glasses, and I had uh, an Achilles tendon issue with my leg. I had no business playing any sport. I had no physical ability. And somebody told me, oh, you couldn't play football. And I said, well, to heck with you. I think I can. I went out for football, uh, joined the team, didn't play much. The season ended. Our football coach, Mr. Irv Geisler, we were turning our, in our equipment, and he said, Kuykendall, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. He said, no, you're not. You're coming in here. I said, no, I'm going home. He said, no, you're coming in here. <laughs> I said, what's in there? He said, come in and find out. So I walked in the door, walked through the door. He closed it and said, welcome to wrestling. And that was, that was how I got into it. And uh, I'll admit I was terrible my freshman year, but I refused to give up, and... Here we are all these years later. Well, it's kind of hard not to be terrible. I, you know, I coached that sport for 10 years. You don't, you've never wrestled before, and you were 74 pounds, and the first weight class was 98. Yes, it was. So if you're going to get a match, you're wrestling a 98-pounder. Sometime a kid coming down to 98. <laughs> yeah, uh, that kid on our team was Rick Dunn, who was uh, probably 98 on the button, and he was strong as a bull, so... It was, a, it was a tough chore, you know. In those days, we had quite a few kids out for wrestling, and uh, you had to work your way up the ladder. And I, I just, you know, other kids quit, dropped out, and I just stuck with it, stuck with it, and I don't regret a minute of it. It was fantastic. So how much did you weigh your sophomore year, Bob? I'm just... I think I weighed 94 as a sophomore. 
So you're only, you're only four pounds lighter than the guys you're wrestling. Yeah, it was a little it was a little better, but <laughs> but not much. So, and then you so did you start in the lineup as a senior for Maine West or? Uh, occasionally, um, there was you know again there was a lot of a lot of fighting for jobs, and I'd win a job and I'd lose a job and I'd win a job and. Those and, are called uh, challenge matches. Challenge aren't matches, they? absolutely. So if you want to wrestle and as a guy in front of you, you got to tell the coach I want to challenge, right? Absolutely. And that's still the verbiage used today, is it not? It is. If you have two guys at the same weight class, it is. That's that's great stuff, and and that's such good stuff about wrestling, because wrestling more than any other sport, well, not more than any other sport. There's other sports like this, but wrestling, it's you. And it's just you. <laughs> there are no corners. There are no, there are no corners. Everything's a circle. Everything's so. a circle, and you got to do it. Okay. So then you, so then you finish your career at Maine West, and really love the sport, and you go off to Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois. Knox College. You got to be pretty smart to go there, Bob. Uh, no, you, not did, in those days. <laughs> did you, did. Uh, I, I, how I did that, I don't know. But uh, uh, for some reason, maybe they took pity upon me and, and let me in. I don't know, but uh, luckily enough, I was able to go there and, and receive a great education. So. Well, yeah, yeah. I've never heard anyone say they didn't get a great education at Knox College. So you went to Knox, and, and you wrestled there too, didn't you? I did, and again, the story is kind of interesting. I didn't plan to, and there was a senior, a guy named Steve McClure, and he knocked on my door and said, I hear you've wrestled before. I need a partner. Would you wrestle one day a week? And I said, sure, I'll come in one day a week. Well, then he said, I need you two days a week. <laughs> Here we and go. And then it was, I need you three days a week. And by that time, he said, oh, you're coming three days a week. You might as well join the team. So I wrestled with Steve. He was a fantastic wrestler. And I, you know, we we kind of flip-flop weight classes, 118, 126. When he went 118, I went 126 and, and so forth. And I learned a lot from Steve and, and a lot of the older guys. And again, you know, I wasn't very good. But I refused to give up. I refused to quit. And by the time I was a senior, I, I felt like I could hold my head up pretty high. I worked pretty hard and improved to an extent, I think. So So you did all right? I did okay. Well, I wasn't going to get into your record anyway, Bob. You, don't no. have to, you can't keep waving your hand at me like that. <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> so, so, okay, so now you've been – then you get out of college, and then when you came to Carmel, you started coaching, and then 37 years have gone by, and you've coached for 37 years. Uh, how has wrestling slash the world of high school sports – talk about the changes. Now, here we are in 2018. Well, I, I think things always change. Change is inevitable. But I think certain things have gotten better and certain things have become challenges. Um, I think the challenges are things like lower numbers. You know, back in, in the 70s, everybody had four full levels. Every, you know, the kids were all pretty tough at every weight class. And now it's harder to get, you know, to get kids to participate. I think kids are specializing. There, there are many other things to do in high school, certainly many easier things to do than wrestling. So I think that's a difficulty. Um, the club development, the development of wrestling clubs, again, a lot of pluses and minuses. It gives kids access to, to great knowledge and gives them a chance to continue to compete year-round. But again, you know, those clubs cost money, and you hate to see money be a determining factor with kids to participate in something. Uh, so club, you know, club is a good, you know, a good thing and, and sometimes a difficult thing. Um, 
I think what I've seen more than anything, though, is just the skill level is through the roof. Kids now, the really, really good wrestlers, their technique is light years beyond what we were able to do when I was in high school. They're just so much more sophisticated than in years And past. so when you're that sophisticated and you're that, that, that kind of turns other kids off because hey i could i would have tried wrestling or kept wrestling after my freshman year but the kid kids ran around my weight the two kids were terrific and there's no way i was ever going to wrestle right and so instead of staying on the team and this is a world where you don't do that i'm not gonna play not gonna play right right and you know it's one of those things but you always find those kids who just i, I like kids when a kid tells me he has nothing else and that was me. I had nothing else going in my life, I think, in a positive direction. Wrestling gave me that direction, and I, I held on to it with both hands really tight. And I, those are the kids I love to coach. And, and the kids who don't give up, they might struggle, but they stick with it. That, that to me, is a joy. I, I really enjoy that. And see, I, and there you go. When I said the world is wrestling versus the world or and the world of sports, what you just suggested is if you coached any sport, it would be like that. Right. right. Those are the so. kids. Those are the kind of kids you just like to coach. Because back in the day, you you coached baseball, didn't you? Baseball, soccer, track. I had no business coaching <laughs> right. any of okay. those things. Okay, but you did. <laughs> and so ultimately you coached kids that you really liked to coach because they tried hard and just wanted to be part of something. You bet. And, yeah, and that turns into uh, – that's a, that is a difference in the world. This world of specialization really, 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 in some ways, is like you said, has, has resulted in incredible technicians, but has also has resulted in way fewer numbers. Absolutely. And 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 that's a diff, that's a th that's a thing. Do you think the difficulty of wrestling? Because it's not easy. You think that that has something to do with the Bible? Oh, I definitely do. Um, there are so many things that are easier to do. I mean, what are, you, what are you telling a kid? Hey, why don't you come out and we're going to put you out on a mat in the middle of a gym and we're going to blow a whistle and that other guy's going to come at you as hard as he possibly can. Okay, go get him. See how things work out for you. And, you know, you've got to have a certain mindset for that and, and you, or develop that mindset. And for a lot of kids, that's, that's too overwhelming. But the kids who can do it, the kids who just stick with it, and it, you can grow so incredibly strong physically and mentally. Keep talking, Bob. Uh, it's, it's just, to me, uh, the, best, the best sport there is, quite frankly. I, I, well, of course you're going to think that, and I'm glad you do. Uh, if you're building a model, parent, support person for an upcoming wrestler, Bob, what would you include? I've thought about this a lot, especially in a situation now where you have a lot of fathers coaching kids. Yeah. Uh, it's sometimes it's really hard to know where that line is between being a coach and being a parent. But this goes for any parent. I think the first thing, the key is perspective. Keeping things in perspective. It's just, it's a sport. We love it. We're passionate about it, but it's got its place, you know? and. It, trying to keep that perspective clear uh patience being patient you know wrestling is one of those things if you don't have patience and and you don't see early returns whether you're an athlete or a parent you can get frustrated be patient stick with it uh positivity stay positive stay positive 
but most importantly, if you, if you combine all those things together, like life, man, just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the moments you have while you have them, because you won't always have them. So. so you mentioned a bunch of things, and you got back to, you'd be surprised, your old Knox uh, fellow graduate from Knox College who was sitting in the same chair, Randy Oberham, she said, the number one thing in sports is fun. And you got right to it, didn't you? I hope so, because you've got to enjoy it. And, 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 and so he said that he said that when he started coaching, and every study he's done as an athletic director at Nutrier in St. Louis, uh, even to, then the last time he did it was at Libertyville High School. When he was, and they say the same thing. Ultimately, the number one thing is fun. And you're saying patience and uh, perspective. Wouldn't it be right? Now, that's not only for a wrestling coach as parents, although it helps if they're not screaming at the kids from the bleachers. Right. Uh, but that would be for any sport, wouldn't it? I think so. I, I think if you use all those concepts and you apply those, I think they apply to every sport that you could possibly pursue pursue you know that's yeah, okay that's well that's that sounds good let's build a parent bob um <laughs> I, okay so there's a couple names i just have to ask about and one of course is riley palm now you know i for people who don't know who riley palm is i'm really quick bob's going to tell you about but riley palm was the first uh illinois state champion uh wrestling champion in carmel uh, catholic high school's history and carmel catholic has a long storied wonderful wrestling tradition but he was the first state champion. It was last year. He was undefeated, and he uh, he's a special guy, isn't he? He's an amazing young man uh, for a lot of reasons, not just his God-given talent, but his work ethic, his his just genuine personality. Uh, he, just You couldn't ask for a better kid to coach. I, I'm blessed. It, it was unbelievable, and it has been unbelievable. And, and, and so, you know... <sighs> His work ethic, you talk about that. Do the other kids up there, do they pick up on that? Oh, it's contagious. He's, you know, we've got another young man, Tommy Hoy, another great kid. Oh, yeah. I know Tommy. Went down state for us. You know, Tommy has now adopted Riley's habits. And so you see the two of them working together. And it's, it's just amazing. And that's the kind of guy Riley is. You know, he leads by example. And uh, the... the Everybody faces challenges on the mat, but, you know, Riley also faces challenges off the mat that other kids don't have to deal with. Let, let's bring that up for, for a minute. I, you know, uh, Riley, folks, is the, uh, is the first type 1 diabetic to ever win a state wrestling championship in the United States of America. Uh, what, can you speak a little bit to that, Bob? It's, it's, it's such an insidious disease. And it's so hard on people who, who suffer from diabetes. Uh, as Joe Scordino, we talked about earlier, suffered from diabetes. Killed him. So, so for Riley to not only excel on a mat, but to also have to constantly keep track of his sugar levels during practice, during a match, you know, doing all the little things to make sure that he's in optimum, optimum position to wrestle. All that added responsibility is, is is hard for any high school kid. It's hard for adults. It's hard for adults. But for him to be able to do that and then on top of all that, wrestle as well as he does, is just amazing. He's like a walking inspiration, isn't he, for real? On a daily, he, he inspires me, he inspires his teammates, but my favorite thing, after he won the title, I started to get emails. My son's a diabetic. 
could Riley email him and give him some words of wisdom? Uh, one of the grade school kids in the area, his father brought him to Carmel specifically to meet Riley so Riley could talk him through how he takes care of his business with diabetes every single day because this young man is a wrestler. And so Riley is now his, his idol, his role model. And Riley took the time, he, he stayed after school one day and he met with this guy and they talked for a half an hour. So Riley's become a, almost a spokesman for, for that whole segment of the population. It's, it's so cool. Wow. <laughs> okay, really, a uh, couple of things. I'm a story guy, so okay. You're Bob Kuykendall. You've walked, you've done the, uh, the champion walk, which by the way, folks, if you've never seen the state championship in, in Champaign, uh, you know, when they walk out in the walk of champions before, before you know, they, they face off for the championship, it is one of the greatest sporting moments in high school sports. And, and I've seen it a bunch of times. And so, Bob, you're walking with your guy, and, and I know you're thinking thousands of thoughts, but one of them has to be 37 years, and, he, and now you're on the mat with him. And it becomes pretty clear, let's face it, he won 11 to 1. I mean, Bob, it became clear pretty quickly, but walk us through it, will you? Come on. You're, well, you're, you're like you know, a, I was so young and dumb when Derek Noble was in the, in the finals in 1990 or 92, I believe. I was so young and dumb at the time. I thought, oh, we'll be here all the time. This is, this is a piece of cake. We'll be in the finals a you know, bunch of times. We, we were not. So, you know, here we are with Riley. And, I, you know, we're walking in the Grand March, and I just told him, you know, take it all in. We, we don't know what's going to happen. Take it all in. He's wrestling a two-time state champion who's looking for his third title. And Riley was so calm. And he goes out, and he starts the match, and he scores two points. And I'm like, hey, cool. We, we have a two-point lead. This is awesome. <laughs> then he scores three more points, and I'm like, holy mackerel, we've got five points. Then he scores three more, and I'm like, don't screw it up. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, so now he, he's got this big lead, and the only way this guy can get back in the match is to throw him, and Riley's going upper body with him, and I'm like, don't do that, don't do that, you know. But Riley had it under control the whole match, and uh, I, when, it, when the final whistle blew I, I I was numb I was absolutely numb because I thought holy mackerel Carmel's got a state champion this is <laughs> this is incredible well you you, you might have been numb but um, there was a one of your former you know John Halloran was he streamed it and he was texting every point every 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 10 seconds to a whole group of us and I was in a house with two Carmel grads my sons and I'm announcing it to him and the last 30 seconds, I'm jumping up and down our living room like a little kid. And, and then he's like, John just went, win. And I went nuts. And so. I went into the tunnel and I virtually passed out in the tunnel. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, just what a huge story. What a great story. What a great family. Great kid. It yeah. couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Could not happen. And you know what? Couldn't happen to a nicer guy who's his coach. We're going to be, folks, we're going to take a break. And, and when we come back, we got some more uh, storytelling to do. And Bob's going to comment on some stories that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share like I like to do. Uh, when we do this, at WSFI FM 88.5. The show is The Story Fits. It streams on, if you want to get my, just Google me and you can see it on my website, goodnewsfitsall.com.
This is Guy Murphy with Totally Yours. And for all the listeners, I just want to really encourage them. Catholic radio is so important because you are our ladies' army. You're the one who has to evangelize the people in our culture today. And WSFI 88.5 is a great tool to nourish our vocation, nourish your vocation. So stay plugged in because they keep us updated on the current events and all the wonderful things related to our Catholic faith. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Attention, Kenosha's Christian community. You are all invited by the Knights of Columbus, Council 973, and St. Elizabeth's Catholic Church to the Holy Family Prayer Program. In the spirit of 40 hours devotion, this program will include Mass, Matins and Louds, Rosary, Reconciliation, and Divine Mercy Chaplet. Celebrate this meaningful adoration with our Lord Jesus Christ, beginning Saturday, August 25th at 6 a.m. with the Angelus, and concluding Sunday, the 26th, at the 1030 High Mass with Benediction. Following Mass, Coffee and rolls will be provided at St. George Hall. Remember, the family who prays together stays together. God bless. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Welcome back to the Story Fits with Mike Fitzgibbons. Uh, yeah, Story Fits, you can, uh, this will be on the, the website here at WSFIFM 88.5. Anytime you want to, if you want to click on and listen to my drivel, um, more importantly, the great guests I have on, you might want to listen to some of that. Uh, the podcasts are always on there. Or they're on my website, Bob. I have a website. All right. Uh, yes. How about that good Welcome news? To technology. Yes. Well, my daughter welcomed me to that technology because I don't know what I'm... Goodnewsfitsall.com. Uh, how about that good news fits all? Get it, Bob? And this is a show about good news. Uh, so we're back with Bob Kuykendall, the head wrestling coach at Carmel Catholic High School for... The last 10 years, going on year 11, and a a wrestling coach at Carmel for 37 years. Wow. Um, God, that's a long time. Bob, you must have have preceded me by 10 years, didn't you? Uh, Was I I there before you, Bob? You you happened to be there when I got there. I don't don't remember that. You, the first brick, were there at the same time. I don't remember that at all. And, you know, it always comes down to, Bob, there is one other guy you mentioned that I'd like to just bring up because, you know, in Carmel lore, you think about guys, uh, 
I mean, the chances of anyone breaking Derek Noble's career win record are got to be slim and none. Didn't he win 40 matches a year? Yeah, yeah, he did. And he's like, so we're talking 160 matches. And, and then he lost an overtime in the state championship, didn't he? And mm-hmm. how many times did he place in the state? Twice. He placed twice, went, went down state all four years. All four years and placed twice. And uh, and he he is a walking production of what you're talking about, where you take the sport and then make it helps make you a great person when you get older. And he's given back to the community. That, he runs a, that's a what kids I'm, club in Waukegan, does a fantastic That's thing. what I'm talking about. And I stay up. I pretty much stay up with that. You know, God loves Facebook sometimes. And and I, I, he is, he's a, uh, he's a rock star. He's one of those rare guys who was a talented athlete who is also a terrific coach. You know, sometimes that transition, when you're good at something, it's, you have a hard time, you know, coaching it in other people. But he's one of those rare guys who was not only great himself, but he's a great coach. Not to mention one of the funniest young men I think I ever worked with, because uh, uh, he he, co- he played football a couple years and. And he was just hysterically funny. And I worked oh, a retreat with him too. Uh, I did work with Riley. Riley was wonderful. And when he, but Derek worked a retreat. I, I don't think I stopped laughing for four straight days. He is. I had four years of that, and and beyond, because we we still keep in touch now in our adult lives. And uh, he's an amazing guy, you know. And again, you know, it's such a great connection to Riley because they're so similar. They're so similar in so many ways. The, the the skill level, the desire to compete, overcoming obstacles. You know, we talked about Riley's obstacles. Derek's were different. You know, Derek came from, from a pretty tough background, and his mom had to work very hard to, to give him opportunities to, to excel. And, and he took those opportunities, and he ran with them. And, and again, you said it perfectly, you know. He was one of the toughest guys on the mat I ever saw, but off the mat, what a what a sweet guy. He he just is so much fun to be around. So, yeah, it would be wrong for you and I to talk uh, and have an, an hour together and not at least bring him up Absolutely. because he's uh, he's the real deal. And and uh, you know, well, his buddy Jamil Swift, and he, they were running partners, weren't oh, they? My and goodness, Jamil what a, what now Jamil. Would be one of the all-time greats. He is one of the all-time greats, but he would be the all-time great if Derek wasn't there. I mean, he's, didn't he place? He placed one year. One year and and uh, went downstate two years. So, you know, Jamil was terrific. Just, just again, that nice combination of tough athlete on the mat and then off the mat. You know it as well as I do. One of the most fun-loving personalities. I in the, I was in the head the football coach when he was when he was uh, in high school, and he played all four years, and he kept in. And he was well. I, again, I try, trying to correct a guy uh, for misbehaving while you're laughing is nearly impossible. <laughs> and he would just look at me and start giggling. And and he would sometimes he'd come over, and put his arm out. Well, you can't yell at me, coach. And I and I look at him. I go, You're right. He's an he's impossible not to like. Yes. <laughs> Let's put it that way. There's no way if you meet Jamil Swift, you're gonna like him. That's that's all there is to it. So. And then and then you think about wrestling and what that does and the discipline it provides uh and i think uh those guys got the most out of it and they give back and and, and jameel gave back in other ways and just two great people and, I, and i'm just glad we got to throw their names in there even because he's uh, so bob at this point in the show what i like to do is i like to tell stories although you know you didn't tell a story 
Can you tell a quick story, Bob? I'd let you know I'm a story guy. Can you tell a story, Bob? Any story. You're, it's got to be from your, you know, your wrestling experience. Okay. So I don't want to hear a story about your honeymoon or, or Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I said, I told, I told everybody, they said, are you going to mention Bruce Springsteen? Bob is like a Bruce Springsteen nut, but I'm not, we're not going to talk about him, Bob. Okay. So I don't want concerts or the day you met him and all that. Okay. okay. I, I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention Christian, Christian Miglarisi. Uh, he was a class of 2013. Uh, Christian had spinal bifida and he walked with crutches and he kind of let it be known that he he had watched a guy named Robles, a college wrestler with one leg, win a national title. And he, he expressed that he had an interest in wrestling. And, and uh, I caught him in the hallway and I said, so I hear you want to wrestle. And he goes, you think I could do it? And I said, why not? Well, I have these, I said, who cares? Come out for wrestling. He came out for wrestling and he came every day to practice. And again, you know, sweetest kid in the world. Yeah. Worked his butt off, didn't win a match for three years. Came to me before his senior year, said, I, I think I'm going to quit. I said, no, you're not. He goes, I, I haven't won a match, and I, I, I just can't do it. I said, Christian, every day you come up on that mat, you are a walking inspiration to every person who sees you, every person who knows you. You can't quit. You're too important to quit. Well, we get to our our first uh, team tournament around Thanksgiving. He's wrestling another boy. He gets his first win. He pins. The, the entire gym erupts into applause. Everybody in the gym is in tears. I'm bawling like a little baby. It was the most incredible moment of my coaching career. Even, even almost as, as, as equally important, if not more, than a state title because to him that was a state title. And so he comes off the mat, we hug each other, and he, you know, it was just such an important moment. Well, of course, two matches later, he wins his second match, and now he's all cocky. You know? <laughs> he's all cocky. Slow down, son. You know? <laughs> but it was just, he was awarded the, Med the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Illinois Chapter Medal of Courage. So he's in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, I'm never gonna get a you know even a glimpse of that, <laughs> yeah. and he's he's just you know that's one of my favorite stories of all oh, time. Oh my God, I got teary eyed, and I've heard the story before, and I start crying every time I hear it. And that, well, there you go. Uh, let's let's let me toss some stories at you, Bob. Um, so there's there's a teacher, and and I want to start with the teacher story, and I wasn't even. <laughs> I was thinking which ones I'm going to tell. Folks, I like to collect good news stories. You know, if you don't know this, how this works, uh, I'm thinking, we, I think we're wired, Bob, for bad news. And, and we just, and every time you turn on it, oh, it's bad news, it's bad news. Do you know they could start the 10 o'clock news with a good news story if they wanted to? Absolutely. And they, do, and they don't. And they'll tell you it's because it doesn't sell. Well, you know what? It sells here. And, and I think that we need more good news. And there's a lot of good news out there. Here's a good news story for you. So there's this girl at this at her school, and her parents hit hit kind of hit the jackpot. Her mom is a designer of clothing, and I'm not gonna get into the names or anything like that. I don't like to do that part, but her mom makes, boom, they hit it. They make money and blah blah blah. And this girl's teacher, she loves her teacher, all year. It's like uh, fourth or fifth grade. Loves her teacher, and through the year, she listens carefully and finds it. Yeah, the teacher tells other teachers. The girl finds out this teacher takes. Four buses 
to get to school every day because you can't afford a car. And it's the last day of school this past June. And the teacher walks out in the parking lot. And there is a Ford Escort with a very, very, very large bow on the top of it. And it's got a note from the parents. Thank you for teaching my daughter. 2018 Ford Escort. Thank you for teaching my daughter. And if that doesn't make you feel good about Okay. Uh, First of all, that never happened to me. But <laughs> I was going to say, you have an address. You have an phone address. Number. Um, the, they, and guess what they did? She was so excited, the little girl. She went out. Well, she not a little girl, but she went out and videoed her teacher. And I saw the pictures of the teacher walks out. Well, what, what is that? What? There's a bow. Why don't you go read it? No, I, I can't. And then she was shaking, walking across the parking lot and looks at the bow. And then she just lost. It was... What a scene. Her whole class is out there cheering, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's – it's good news, and you're right. It's rare. And so for, for us to say – it's a shame that we have to make a big deal out of it, but you have to make a big deal out of it because that doesn't happen too often. And, and no. to, to feel valued – it doesn't have to be a car. Shoot, you know, anything that, that – you feel anybody who gives you a, a sense of an appreciation that's fantastic yeah it's uh you know and, and folks i'm not out here shilling for uh, <laughs> teachers to get to get free gifts <laughs> but my address at carmel is one carmel parkway and my office is right by door a um i'm joking uh, but it's such a great story. And if you, of course, you know, when you see people's faces, if you saw the face of this wonderful lady who's a great teacher and has spent her whole life being a great teacher, I went, four buses. Okay, uh, there's no way. <laughs> four buses. Four buses. We had a hard time getting to school when we lived 10 minutes I know, away. Oh, so. four buses. I'm like, what are you talking about? I kept reading it. Like, what, four buses? Okay, get another job or teach closer to home or she can't, I guess. Um, she deserves that car. A couple stories of, of just like crazy courage at the, like, uh, this one's out of Alabama, uh, right on the Gulf Coast. Guy gets married, and of course she wants pictures right by the the golf there. Beautiful, right? Beautiful pictures, and they're taking the photos, and it's beautiful day, sunshine, Gulf Coast, Alabama. And a lady comes running right into the pictures and goes, "There's a boy drowning. There's a boy drowning." And the <laughs> before the bride can say anything, here's her new husband flinging his tuxedo. <laughs> He's running toward the water, ripping his shirt off, and he dives right in. Like, <laughs> swims over. There's a high school kid from Mississippi who was going down, cramped up, going down. And he's big. And our guy still has his pants on and one of his shirts. So you know how heavy that can get. Right. So he gets him, and his whole goal was to keep him above the water. And he's yelling to the shore, I'm not, you got to call 911 because, you know, his wife's standing there in her gown. She's just watching. <laughs> so she picks up. So somebody calls 911. He could not get him to shore, but he could keep his head above water. And they came and then 
they they brought them both to shore and they both lived happily ever after and the bride and groom took a picture with the kid in the middle and now that'll be a story and their fa- family um forever won't it. who's that kid mom and dad well that's a good story <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna how can you top that you know, all these people who tell their wedding stories you can't really top it he was running he was running with the, i just a picture a young guy with a tux on what? Oh, and he goes. She goes, what are you doing? <laughs> He's just running and flipping his tuxedo over his head. I'm like, oh, could that happen? David and, Hasselhoff, maybe, but, you know. Yeah, yeah well, David Hasselhoff's had enough tuxedos on in his life. We won't get into that. Absolutely. Uh, so the other one of the same kind of th- story is guys had guy had major surgery, and he was sitting uh, by, like, a bridge in Long Beach, I guess there's bridges all over Long Beach. You know, you learn these things, Bob, when you read up on things. And he's just sitting there. He just had major surgery like five days before. He's a relatively young guy. He's in shape, but he had major surgery, so he can barely move. And he's sitting in a chair, and he's just watching traffic go by and enjoying himself. And a car makes goes out of control, goes through the pylons, and goes right into the river. And he can see everything, and he can't move. And the car is going, it's going down. Now, now we find out later, an elderly couple and their dog in the car. Husband lost control. I don't know what he was reaching for. You know how that sometimes can happen? Right through the rail into the water. And this guy can't move. And there's no one around. And he's watching this car become submerged. And he doesn't know they're elderly, but he doesn't see. That's why they couldn't move. They're inside. They can't. They didn't know what to do. So he starts waving, like, from his chair. And the first two cars going in two different directions that he waves, both stop. They both pull over. What do you need? What do you need? Help, help. This car. Two guys in the first car, a guy and a girl in the second car. All four of them jump out of the car, run over. He points to it. And all four of them look at him. And they dive and <laughs> they just jump right in. Like, first of all, who does that? And the one guy's as he's yelling on the way down, call 911, and hits the water. The four of them submerge themselves. They take turns diving down. They don't even break the windows. They open the car doors. The cars are under now. They get, the, they get both the man and the woman and the dog and save them before the ambulance gets there. How, how do people have the the ability to just automatically reflex like I, that? I'm driving up. Bob. <laughs> no, you're not. You well, I'm wondering. Okay, those are two stories. What? Do, everybody's jumping in the water. I when there's no thought there. Like here he goes with his tuxedo. Here are these four people. You know. Hey, so Joe, what are you thinking of doing? And hey, there's a guy waving there. And within 20 seconds, they're in the water. And they're diving underneath to try to save somebody in a car. Like 20 seconds later, they're talking about the song on the radio. How, what, what possesses what, what people? What possesses somebody to have that ability? Uh, I, I, I don't. You can't teach it. You know, it's just it, now, it's got to be. Kinda. So, so Bob, you're an English teacher. Tell me this, and you under and you get okay. Why isn't that the lead story in the 10 o'clock news? You know, it's like it's like uh, one of those misery loves company sometimes, and, and I think so, unfortunately sometimes if we hear people's lives are a little bit worse off than ours, 
we have a tendency to feel better. You know, it's that whole, thank goodness it's not me. Um, so we're is, the voyeur part of us. I think so. Like when there's a car accident and all the traffic slows down so we could all look, right? Right. Uh, yeah, but and there's the penchant. That's the, there's the what we're wired for bad news and well, and it's contagious. I I think you just start to accept it, and so I you know I'm because I I don't I started to kind of lose a little bit of my my positivity. I started a new thing this class year. Uh, every class I start off, we do some things, and then I'll say, okay, somebody give me some good news, and kids will share. You know, my brother went off to college. My cousins getting married you know whatever I said, just tell me some good news i need some good news to get for me so that i can stay positive to do my job so i think it can you can turn around that whole idea i think with you're show, doing that every time in class yeah every, okay I now started. i gotta tell you everybody we're bob and i are old friends so i was when i for the year started i went in and we always say hi and we're talking about the summers and bob said i, I, I said how are you looking forward to the year and he said well I'm going to do a couple things different. I I, I got it. I got it. And he talked about being more positive and the way he's going to in his approach. But before right now on a store on a show that's about good news stories, I did not know this. He's asking for good news stories in class every day. It's so important. Okay, quick. What's the most important one? What's a, one of the best ones you've heard? Uh, one of my students is actually standing up in his mother's wedding. She's getting remarried and he's standing up, walking her down the aisle. He's I, walking. I, oh I, my I God! Are you kidding me? So I, I think that was great because um, you need those things, and I wish. I, I think it could become a snowball effect. Well, one of your former wrestlers who was a great wrestler and an All-American in college, Jaron Rutledge, he uh, walked his mother down the aisle. His dad passed away and she got remarried and he walked his mother down the aisle when she got remarried. Bob, you're like... I would expect nothing less from Jaron. Yeah, that's uh, another one. That's another great story. Knox College graduate. Another Knox <laughs> College grad. How is that happening? We're a walking commercial for Knox College. Here you go, Bob. Newark, New Jersey. The west side of Newark, New Jersey, is like the west side of Chicago, and that's enough said, folks. You probably get that. At Westside High School, they, there's a thing there. They make fun of kids for when they smell like bad and when they're wearing dirty clothes, and that's just one of the things, you know, in high school is how it goes. And so one of the things everyone gets teased about if you look like a slob or you smell, like a, you smell bad, and it just so happens the high school has a rather large homeless population. Kids are homeless. So the story, as it kicks in, the story goes, a girl, a girl was carrying her bag, a bag, and, and one of the security people said, I need to check your bag, and she started crying. Please no, please no, please no. And they brought her into the office, and she was hysterically crying. And they opened the bag, and it was just full of dirty clothes. And she didn't want anyone to see, because she was homeless, and didn't want to see anybody see the dirty clothes. And... It's a big deal there. Coming to school with clean clothes and looking clean, and and they make fun of each other about it. So the principal's trying to fight that kind of culture. This is amazing to me. So the principal goes, so they have an old, they don't, their their school doesn't have football anymore, but they got an old football locker room. So the principal has this idea, and the principal goes to this company uh, nearby uh, that that is pretty successful and has a lot of this high school's graduates actually gives them jobs. And says, "Can you can you help us here?" And they give the school a twenty thousand dollar grant. You're not gonna believe this, Bob. So the school has some people, some dudes come in. Some of them went to high school there. 
and they fix up the old football locker room as a laundromat. And they put five washers and five dryers in there. And they get in there a couple companies to donate all kinds of detergent, and they line it up there. And every day from 3 to 6, they have some of the teachers volunteer. They switch off. There's, some, there's an adult in there. The kids can come in, especially the homeless ones, and do their laundry. They've had, they have no more problem now with kids making fun of each other for smelling bad. There's no price tag on pride. Oh, my You know? God. I, that, one, that one brought tears to my eyes. I was like, are you kidding me? So they have their own laundromat, Bob. So what are you doing after school? Well, I got to go to the laundromat. I get, oh, washing the, my own clothes because I'm carrying my clothes because I live on the street. But they don't live on the street with dirty clothes. You're right. There's no price tag to pride. And, and I, who's that principal? And why isn't he getting an award? He should. Uh, uh, I don't remember his name, and I should have written it down. Um, just that, that, that was a, a feel-good story, if ever there was one. Here's another one, Bob. So there's a, a <laughs> you know, this new, the second Mamma Mia. Don't you just love Abba? Unfortunately, you yes. you love Abba, don't you, Bob? Uh, no I giggled. I giggled and wrote this one down because I know how Mr. Kaikendall would not be an Abba fan, okay? Because of his rock and roll roots. <laughs> so Mamma Mia was the original, and then they had this new one coming out. So this theater had a screening of the original Mamma Mia the week before, okay, they, the second one was out. Okay, so uh, this cu- couple, the, the, the wife's mother has early onset Alzheimer's. And they visit her all the time. And they remember that when the original Mamma Mia came out, she loved it. So they said, let's, so her and her husband said, let's take her to go see the screening of the old Mamma Mia. So they go to the theater, and they take her there. Well, it's like she clicked into 15 years ago, 10 years ago. She started belting out the tunes <laughs> at the theater, <laughs> and she's singing, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia. She's going, you know, all, all the ABBA tunes, and she's belting them out, Bob. And, of course, people were just livid. And, and, you know, they don't know. And so they're going by huff, and doing the huffing and puffing. And so a couple of the workers notice this. And they go to the manager and they go, this is wrong. And the manager goes, what do you want me to do? And they're high school kids. And they said, well, we want to have her back. Can we have a special screening of this? Without any? He goes, well, we don't open up on Saturday till noon. So. so the next Saturday at 930 in the morning, they invite, well, they invited through the they invited her back, and they and they as a hundred. There's a hundred some seats in there. That a hundred people come. It was all her, her family, okay, and and all of the people that live with her in that Alzheimer's, you know, clinic, the place where they live. So they carted them all in there, and so they start showing, and they're all singing. Really, the, <laughs> the, whole, the whole place started singing. <laughs> Because they didn't know, you know, and they click it. It clicked in. So Bob, I don't know if Bruce Springsteen music has that healing thing like ABBA music does. But I'm thinking ABBA music, Bob. It's such a great story. This late, they were standing and dancing. The can you imagine the heartbreak of Alzheimer's as it is? 
So they're in an Alzheimer's hospital. Some sometimes they're sitting there vacantly looking ahead. They brought all a bunch of these in there, and they stood up out of their chairs and started dancing and singing. It was like therapeutic uh, 101. It was like crazy how it worked. And uh, and this one, of course, the daughter was like, "Can you? Is this happening?" And what did it come from? The idea of two high school kids. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, a couple of your stories are, are, are pretty big time, you know, rescuing people from a car, a submerged car. You know, that's big. Time. But look at how many just random acts of kindness can affect so many different people. Uh, random acts of kindness. Bob, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll run with that. Maybe we could maybe we do that at school. I'll, uh, wait, we already do that at school. OK, well, yeah. and you know what? <laughs> you're, you're really good at spotting those things, too. Uh, you do a great job of, of highlighting the little things that could sometimes go unnoticed. Well, that shouldn't go unnoticed. That should never go unnoticed. And that, and that well, to me, okay, so so do I pass by that story? No. That's a story I wanted to tell. I'm like, yeah, I want to tell that story. That's a great story. And this, so is this one. And I told you this This is the only time I've ever prepped a, a guest. Because uh, I was nervous. So. He, <laughs> no, I prepped him because this is a great story. Because okay, the Detroit Tigers game. And there's a boy named Tyler. He's 10 years old. And he's down, he's a little further, he's closer to third base down the left field line foul. And pop foul goes in foul territory. He catches it with his glove. He's all excited. His parents are all excited. And he says, then he sits for a couple minutes, goes, Mom, Dad, I want to go down there, down left field, because that boy down there, he, he, it's his birthday. I want to give him the ball. It's his birthday. And the mom and dad are like, what? Like, you know, this is a big, come on, son, you got your ball. You've always wanted a ball. I want to give it to him. It's his birthday, and he's here, and he doesn't get a ball. So he walks down the line, and they go with him because they kind of want to make sure everything's kosher, right? He calls him over, the kid over, and everybody knows. They're all, their signs are up, happy birthday, Michael, happy birthday. It's the kid's name's like, Michael, Michael, come here. Here. I got this ball, and I just want to give it to you. And all the people in Michael's family, there's a whole bunch of people. They're all applauding, and Michael takes the ball. Thank you very much. And he puts it down, and everybody, you know, it's kind of a sideshow from the game. Pop foul down the left field line. I, this can only happen. In, this can't happen, can it? Pop down the left field line. Michael looks up, sticks his glove out, and catches it. Right after he just got the ball from, from Tyler. He catches the ball. He's seven years old. He's like... I got another ball. And everybody's cheering again. And Tyler's laughing too. So I know what you're thinking that he gave the ball back to Tyler. No. He takes the ball, whispers to his parents, and they they sit back, look at Tyler's parents. They all shake their head. And he goes on. Further down the left field line, there's a little girl who has a glove, and she's been waiting for a ball. And he gives the ball to her. And so Tyler, which I think is awesome, Tyler goes, Mom and Dad, look, it's a line of awesomeness. <laughs> a line of awesome. A line of awesomeness. I, you know, I, uh, to me, that made my morning when I read that. That was the last, uh, last homestand the Tigers were on. Not that I care about the Tigers being on homestand because I think they beat the White Sox by a touchdown today. But um, <laughs> You know what's the common denominator in the last couple of stories? Young people. No, well, you know, you know that energy, dude. You know how that energy works. Here's one about a, a young person that was troubled, not that young, in his 20s. 
Okay, and 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 this and the reason I want to tell this is because you know somewhere the spirit is out there, Bob, and this is the work of the spirit. All these are works of the spirit, and I believe that strongly. And and I'm a you know that's why I'm glad this is Catholic Radio because I'm a firm believer this is the work of a loving a loving spirit. This beer truck driver in St. Paul, Minnesota. He's going from one place to another and decides to take a different route. It just makes that decision. And he's, and he's saying to himself, why did I go this way? I don't even know why I did this. And he swings around by the bridge. And there in the middle of the bridge is a guy sitting there about to jump. And you jump from that particular bridge in St. Paul, you're done. Okay. And he sees him, slams on his brakes, jumps out, calls 911. <laughs> he didn't have to tell him. There's nobody in the tuxedo. He didn't need to yell to anybody to call 911. He calls 911, and he starts to go down the bridge. And all the while, he's talking to the guy on his way down the bridge, trying to engage him in conversation. And the guy said, well, what do you care? I live in a bad situation. Well, blah, 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 blah. Where are you from? Chicago, the inner street city. He goes, well, you know what? I'm from East St. Paul. It's the same thing. I'm from that, a bad hood too. But look, I made it. You can make it. And he starts talking more to him. He goes, how about this? I'm a beer truck driver. I got beer in the back. How about I get a six-pack of beer, and you and I just, you get off the bridge. The guy climbs onto the bridge. Now he's standing. He's going to jump. You get down, and we'll sit down. We'll split a six-pack, and we'll talk about your trouble. He said, the guy on the bridge goes, you going to get us some beer? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'll get you some beer. And he walks back to his truck. Now, why is he leaving the guy there? But he did. He walked back to his truck. He got a six-pack of beer. He walked it back. He says, see, I got the six-pack of beer. Now, by now, you know, emergency vehicles have pulled up. And the guy goes, okay, I'll come down. I'll come down. We'll talk about it. And, of course, as soon as he got down, they ran and they tackled him. And they took him away and put him in a hospital. So he never really got his beer. And I don't know that that's part of the story. (laughs) But but here's a guy driving the wrong. That's not the way he ever took. He didn't know why he went in that direction. And he believed his quote to the paper, his quote on TV was, I believe that I was moved by the Lord to go in that direction. Life is far too cool to be an accident. Yeah, there's no, yeah, there are, you know, there are no accidents like that. And, you know, it's, a, it, and to me, that's a message. Now, a lot of people, I've told that story a bunch, and a lot of people are like, oh, I think the guy would have pulled over for me. I would, I would jump on a bridge if he'd talk me down with, with a six-pack. <laughs> it's like, it was the pretzels that were the real. The pretzels. That was the real kicker. <laughs> it was, you know, you think about a story like that, and there's no such thing as a coincidence. And he didn't believe there was. And, you know, I've seen too many of these things where I don't believe that. I'm not sure I believe that there are either, Bob. Um, I got to tell you, I've been able to sneak more stories in today than than uh, than any of the other shows that I've done. I think I've done... I think we've done seven stories, Bob, and that is a lot. And and I'm and I'm and I'm gonna, I'm going to have to start wrapping it up. So before I, before we wrap it up, I do want to say, folks, this is uh, the story fits on WSFI FM eighty eight point five FM. Uh, my website is goodnewsfitsall.com. You could just Google me if you don't have to remember that. Google me and click on and 
And sometime in the very near future, this very show will be podcast, but all the other ones are on there. You'll see photos of all the other people who have been on with me. And you'll see Bob's, Bob's picture pr- pretty soon, and it'll be better to see Bob than me in the picture. Uh, Bob, any, any parting words for any young aspiring athletes slash wrestlers out there before we wrap it up? You never know unless you try. Ah. He did not know I was going to ask that question, folks. Did you see that? This Bob Kuykendall guy is pretty good. Maybe he should have that. I should be his guest. You never know until you try. Young athletes, think about that. It's better than sitting home. Try something. Stay on the team. Go for it. The show's called The Story Fits. It's great being here. WSFIFM 88.5. I'm Mike Fitzgibbons. He's Bob Kuykendall. Thanks for your time, everybody, and in the words of Harry Bob, so long, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you.